This is a podcast for Journal of Applied Ecology, a British Ecological Society publication. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Applied in 5, where we discuss the latest ecological research in around about five minutes. Today I'm with Sarah Schwieger, who has been shortlisted for the 2022 Southwood Prize. The Southwood Prize is brought to you by the Journal of Applied Ecology and celebrates early career research. Let's get started. So could you give us a bit of background about yourself and how you got into ecology? Of course. So uh, my name is Sarah Schwieger. I'm, I'm originally German. Um, I studied biology and biodiversity and ecology. And I did a PhD in the north of Germany at the University of Greifswald in root ecology in drained and rewetted peatlands. Now I'm a postdoc at Umeå University, which is in the north of Sweden at the Department of Ecology and Environmental Science. And I mainly focus on decomposition, plant decomposition, and how it responds to a warmer climate. Brilliant. (laughs) It sounds really interesting. Yeah, true. Can you briefly summarise the research in your paper and how it advances the field? (laughs) I will try to be brief, but it's always hard. (laughs) So in our study, we looked on um, root growth in drained and rewetted peatlands in northern Germany, which are typical fen peatlands that you find all over in Central Europe. Um, And it's very important because, uh, first of all, not many people look on roots. And second, roots make up a large part of the peat in peatlands. And peat is where the carbon is stored. So many people think of forests when they think of of carbon stores, but peatlands are actually the most space-efficient carbon stores on land on our planet. Well, however, um, most of the peatlands here in Europe, they're actually drained, which leads to the fact that they cannot fulfill their initial carbon carbon storage function anymore. But rewetting is supposed to counteract these these negative effects. So we were interested in how rewetting changes the conditions of root growth and therefore also the uptake of carbon by the plants. So the thing is, when you have pristine or intact peatlands, they are formed over millennia. And the carbon that is stored in, in their soils, that takes time to accumulate. So I would say it's relatively easy to drain such a peatland and destroy it. Um, but it's not so easy to restore it again. So what exactly happens when we wet a peatland is not so well known, actually. It's some kind of new ecosystem that develops, something in between a pristine and a drained peatland. So to study these a bit more, that was the plan. What was not the plan was that 2018, the year when I measured, was a very warm and very dry year, maybe even the driest and warmest since the record. So we were really worried that, that our results that we have might not be comparable to a normal year. So we decided to study also 2019. But surprisingly, this was also a very warm and very dry year. And so was 2020. So we came to the conclusion that, that these, these conditions might be our new normal. And basically what we found is that rewetted peatlands cope better with these warm and dry conditions that we face in these drought years. They do so by buffering these extreme conditions warm temperatures and the low soil moisture, and then they enable the plants to grow longer in the season. Plants on rewetted peatlands grow longer than on drained peatlands under drought conditions, which promotes the carbon sink function. It's actually really interesting. <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah, no, I also came into the topic when I, when I started my PhD before I, I didn't know so much about peatlands, actually. But then I was really like, oh, this is really interesting and this is really relevant. <laughs> um, and then, well, leading on from that, have you continued this research? And if so, where are you at now with it? 
so I haven't continued it directly. So I'm not working in the same same place anymore. Um, I'm still working with carbon cycles. I studied plant decomposition and also carbon dioxide emissions from the soil and how these are affected by a warmer climate. But I I have a bit more broader approach now. Like I I look on on global data. I'm, I'm looking on large data sets that um, other people collected and I gather them and I combine them in the meta-analysis. So peatlands are still included, but they are not exclusively in this data. It's really interesting to see how these ecosystems that I studied before behave or yeah respond to warming compared to other ecosystems that I have not studied before. Very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say is the best thing about being an ecologist? The best thing is that it's so diverse because it's not an office job. I'm out in the field. I have lab work. And yes, I have also office work where I write and I have to analyze data. So it's really diverse, but it's never boring. Leading on from that, what would you say is the worst thing about being an ecologist? <laughs> well, kind of the same. It's very diverse. <laughs> you have to have an expertise in many different areas. You have to be a bit of a programmer. You have to be yeah, a bit of a craft person uh, when you go out in the field and, and, and your equipment doesn't fit. Mm. Um, you have to fiddle around with that. You have to go out no matter the weather. So sometimes, sometimes you wish you would have a normal, easy job. So it's both a good thing and and a bad thing. I feel like, <laughs> but more a good thing. <laughs> yeah, it's very very diverse. I think you've got to kind of mm. have knowledge of so many different topics. Yeah. And then the last thing is, what's one piece of advice you'd give to someone in your field? Connected to. To the to the last thing I said, it can sometimes be quite overwhelming to be confronted with so many different fields. But it's also okay to seek out for help. For example, I work with with decomposition of plant materials, which is mainly done by microbes. But I'm not a microbiologist, so if I need expertise in that, I either invest a lot of time in trying to read a lot of papers and get this expertise, or I seek out for help for someone who is actually a microbiologist and can help me in areas. And I found out during my postdoc where I network with a lot of people and gather a lot of data from different people that most people are very happy to to help and share, which is really nice because it makes your life a bit easier. And it's also more fun. That would be my advice. Try not to do everything alone. Lovely bit of advice. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you very much for inviting me.